So we've been here. How many of you here last week and heard Pastor Liz give a great message? Thank you, Liz. Always delivering a great word. And here's the thing. She's a lot shorter than I am, like, like in time. Like it don't take her but 20 minutes to get the message out. It takes me like an hour. So I'm learning. I'm learning, Liz. I hope I learn from you, you know. Just say it like it is, Pastor. <laughs> I'm always jealous when I go back and I, I, I watch her messages. I'm like, how did she do that in 25 minutes? I don't know how she did it, but she did it. Stand to your feet one more time. We're going to read a short scripture for the Word of God as we continue in our third week. We've been in a series on parenting. Parenting. How many could use some help? Parenting, yes. I hopefully the last couple of weeks have helped you take some steps. We've given you some nuggets because how many of you know that parenting is not easy? You love them and you want to beat them. I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. I don't, don't beat your kids. Don't do that. But sometimes you think about it. You thought about it. They are truly blessings, but it also is a challenge and a responsibility for you. I mean, it takes more than just having a physical child. It, taking a parent takes work. It takes work. It takes effort. And thank, I thank the Lord that he gives us help in this book called the Bible. There's not a subject that the Bible does not cover. And so we try to take time throughout the year doing different subjects to help you, and we're on uh, parenting. And by the way, I wasn't here last Sunday, but please keep uh, these children, the families uh, that lost these children, the teachers that were passed away in this horrible uh, tragedy here a couple of weeks ago. I've just, I know that I've been heartbroken over this. When I heard about it, I just almost, I, I wept. And um, because I can't imagine. And, and so just know that we need to keep hold them up in prayer. We don't know them personally, but we can hold them up and ask for the peace of God to be in their households and hold them during this time. Amen. Proverbs 22 and 6, very familiar verse to you. Maybe you've read it your whole life, but it says this. Read it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Train up. Train. Train. You have a responsibility as a mom, as a dad, whether you're a single parent or you're married, but you still have a responsibility when you have a child to train. That means giving instruction. That means modeling. And I'm going to tell you something. Our lives speak louder than our, uh, than our lips. Just let that one settle in on you for a minute. The way you live speaks louder than what you say. So part of that training is how you're living. So how you living? How you living, Mom? How you living, Dad? It matters. Am I asking for perfection? Is God asking for... No, we're, none of us are perfect. But let me tell you something. Now, it's not just about you. It's about those and their destiny, those that are following you. And so we are, have this responsibility to train them up in the way. Everybody say the way. Yes. Part of that, the way is putting godly values in them. What way are you teaching them? What values are you setting in them? This is questions to ask yourself. What way? And that also means not every child's the same, right? It's not cookie cutter. I mean, it's not like, okay, every child acts the same. They have the same personality, the same gifts, same talents. No, you have to adjust. So, you know, we need a little bit of help, right? I have to, each one of my children, I have to adjust to how God made them. Teach them all the same values, but adjust so that I make sure I bring out their gifts for their destiny. You may be seated. That's a lesson before the lesson. 
But I want to talk about the last part of this scripture as well. It says, when he's old, he won't depart from it. Now, what that tells me, you can do all you can. It's already warning me. You can teach them. You can raise them. You put seeds in them. You, you plant things inside of them. That, means, that doesn't mean they're always going to live and do what you told them to do. Because it's saying, well, obviously, they're going to come back. I mean, there's, there's something going to happen. So I want to talk today in particular about prodigals. Some of you might, might even not, not even know what that word means. That really means rebellion. I want to talk to you because I know you have the perfect children. But the truth is, is we don't all have perfect children. And sometimes we have kids that go astray. That starts when they're younger sometimes and you have to deal with it. But what, what happens when they're over 18? What happens? So I want to talk about how to deal with a prodigal child. Because sometimes that can be some of the most hurtful time and most... Your heart is hurting because you love your kids so much. I mean, and, 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 and what's happening is you know they're on a train wreck. Their life is on a dead-end tour. I mean, that road they're going down is very familiar to you. You may have went down it yourself. And it doesn't matter. You can stand out there side with a stop sign. You can put up roadblocks. They'll run smash right over you and keep headed to a dead-end street. I know because I was... I am one. So I understand, and so I, I know that some of you are holding on to this promise in this scripture. God, I taught them. I showed them. I took them to church. They sat on the church chair, the church pew, all their whole life. They've been to Sunday school. I've done everything I can, and so you, but you still got a child that you're praying for. Anybody got a child you're praying for right now? God, in Jesus' name, we're going to pray for them today. Lord, wherever they are. Amen. So I'm praying with you for that today. And I don't know, I know some of you, you're thinking, not my kids. My kids are perfect, like pretty perfect. Like they're good kids. They're, they never do any wrong. Well, God bless you. This may not be a message for you here today. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Let me give you two truths. People do th dumb things. That's one truth. Right? People do dumb stuff. And number two, kids are people too. Okay, I know you're saying, not my kid, they would never do that. You know, as soon as you say that, you better put those words back in your mouth. You're like, oh my God, what were they thinking? I didn't raise you that way, right? But one of the most difficult things I think to understand as a parent is why when you've been a godly parent, you've raised your kids right, you've done all the right things, Yet they still take another direction. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? What, 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 I mean, how do we deal with that? I mean, I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up with perfect examples. To me, they were. I know they'll say they weren't perfect. But to me, I grew up in a godly home with godly values, with love and nurturing and all the great things that parents should do and, and, and just, a, just a, but I still, something happened. It's called rebellion. I mean, I, I thank God for all the seeds that were planted in my life. Thank God. Even at a young age, I mean, at seven years old, I was baptized and filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I experienced that in my own life. And I had many experiences going to camp and, and experiences with God and, and times at the altar, these altars even that were over in our old building. I, I had all of that, but at age 15, something clicked in my brain. 
and said, I don't really want to go to church anymore. I love my parents, but I'm going to tell you that it, it just started where I went on my own journey. And I thank God I had a praying mom and dad because here I stand today fulfilling the promise of this scripture. Amen. So what do we do? What do we do when our kids make bad choices? And, and, and I want to give you three steps from the story of the prodigal son. I think the Bible helps teach us. How about you? I want to show you through this journey. And here's the first one. Here's the first phase that happens. It's the rebellion phase. Okay? That's the first thing that begins to happen. They begin to talk back. They don't do always what you tell them to do, right? And some of them are over 18. And of course, you know what? You're just praying for them now, right? But what do we do as parents during that phase? Well, the first thing is obvious. You need to pray for them. And you need to pray for yourself for God to give you the sense to stay sane and wise and hold back the anger, right? You need to do that. Then you need to continue to express your love towards your kids. You might just want to get angry with them all, time, all the time. But let me tell you something. Your kids need your love no matter what's going on in their life. I thank God my parents never stopped loving me. Did they agree with me? No. But they never stopped loving me. And here's the tough one. Listen to me, parents. Let them face the consequences of their behavior. This is a major problem in our society right now. There are consequences, folks, for bad behavior if you do the wrong thing. Amen? And, and, but unless you might be that parent... You always swoop in, save the day, bail them out, eliminate the consequences in their life. I mean, it's tempting, moms. I've had to, you know, jump in on Debbie in the past. Past, I'm like, babe, you cannot save them from every stinking thing because we're actually hurting them. Let them face the consequences because you're eliminating a valuable lesson that they need to learn right now. And that is, if you do the wrong thing, there's a price to pay. I know you, some of you parents ain't going to like that. I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't like that kind of preaching. Maybe you are one of those child that never learned that. Let me tell you something, the price they pay now is not going to be nearly the price they'll pay later. This is a, a lesson that many kids never get because parents won't discipline them. And then the child grows up, and here, here's what the parents are doing. They're constantly pressuring, pressuring the teacher, you know, swooping in and pressuring the police officer and then going to the court with them and, press, and pressing the, pressuring the judge and then, and then it's their job and then it's their spouse when they get married and trying to swoop in to eliminate the consequences. Hello. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, that's one of the major problems today in our society because nobody wants to take responsibility for their behavior. Are we not seeing that in the good old United States of America right now? Just rise up and rebel. Don't want to take any responsibility for our actions. I know that's not going to be popular preaching right now, but I'm telling you, it's because they never had to face the consequences in the first place. You pay a price, it helps change your ways. Amen. Now you're meddling, Pastor James. You're meddling. Let's go to the story. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Very popular story. You've heard this story, I'm sure, read. Some of you, most of you grew up hearing this. There's a man. He has two boys. And the younger comes to his father, and he says, Dad, now I want you to notice these next two words because I want you to underline them or circle them. Dad, give me. Not may I. Dad, Give it to me. Give me my, and I'm going to come back to that. Give me my share. 
Give me my share of my estate. And so the, the dad, he divides the property between his two boys. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he sets off for a distant country where he squanders and live in the, any way he wants. Now, when I read that, I, I thought about set off for a distant country. Have your kids ever acted so different? You saw them, you're like, that's not how I raised them in my house. It's like they're from a different country. Anybody else, you're like, how after 18 years, what happened? Or they meet somebody for six months and start acting like them. I brought you into this world. I birthed you into this world. I raised you. Now you acting like something that you never even were raised with. Anybody else? You foreign to me. I don't, that's, that's foreign actions. I don't even understand that. <laughs> now, in this story, you know, normally a person will get their inheritance when their parents pass away or they're older. But this young man, he wants his now. Now, that means he's probably over 18. But the principle still applies here no matter what age your kids are. We've all experienced or seen a parent say to a toddler, give me that. Give me that remote. Give me that pen. Give me that knife. I know you're one. I know you're one. Give it to me. And then you may be in public. And guess what happens? That child's like, give me, give me, give me, give me. I mean, and you're looking around and every, every parent in the store is looking at you. Bad parent. What are you doing? What are you doing that child? And so you just give it back to them. That's bad parenting. I, I'm going to tell you something. I am a parent. And one thing I've learned, there will be a power struggle when the parent has control. You better get used to it. That's called being a parent. They're going to try to take away the power from you every time. They're going to test you. One, here's what you do. One, two, I'm telling you. Telling you, three. At least that, that's the way all the Caucasian people do it. Some of you can't identify with that at all. You better give me that. What? <laughs> <laughs> brought you into this world. What? How many of you can identify with that one? Like, right, you didn't even, you just went, uh. <laughs> Woo. But here's what happens. When these kids try to take control, that's called rebellion. And in this scripture, we have the classic sign of rebellion. Father, give me. If I could just, I mean, if I could just be my own boss. Nobody tell me what to do. If they would just leave me alone. I'm grown up now. I'm an adult now. Here's what I want to do. Hand them the light bill when they say that. Oh, really? You so grown up, make that payment, baby. <laughs> this is fun, y'all. So what do you do if your kid's under 18 still living at home and they're rebelling? Make them face the consequences. Look what happened to this guy. He leaves, verse 13, he squanders his wealth and wild living means that means in today's terms, he's out of cash. He's over his data limit on his phone. Mom, dad, stayed out past their curfew, used all their allowance, 
got in trouble in school and now they're facing disciplinary action. And here's what you do as a parent. Let them face the consequences. But pastor, you don't understand. I gave my... I gave them $50 for lunch this week at school, you know, and, and they went and blew it all. And now they're just, they're, they have nothing to get food. They're going to starve to death. No, they won't. <laughs> I promise you, let them face it. The lesson that they need to learn is the value of money and the wisdom of how to control it, amen? If not, guess what? I'd rather them learn that lesson now than later. I mean, it's like my mom and dad told me, money don't grow on trees. Your mom and dad ever said that to you? We think it does. But if you're currently bailing them out, you're hurting them in the long run. And I think the hardest thing for you to do for your child is nothing. The hardest thing to do sometimes is absolutely nothing. But I'm going to tell you, it's the best thing that you can do. And I know it. I mean, I, 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 I know as a parent myself, when you leave them in a mess, it kills you on the inside. Doesn't it? I, I mean, like, you want to help them. You, like, I want to rescue them. But don't steal the lesson that either God's trying to teach them or they need to learn a valuable lesson in life. I mean, I'm telling you right now, they're going to get mad at you. They're going to get upset with you. They're going to say, you're an awful parent. You don't love me. You don't love God. Jesus don't judge people. Thought you were a Christian. Post you up on Snapchat. Well, let me just take away that phone that you posted on. Show you how that is. Y'all know, y'all laughing because you know all the teenagers today, they're not looking at mom and dad or nothing. They're just. But someday, it might be 20 years from now, someday when their brain actually matures enough to fit in that thick skull of theirs, they'll wake up and realize the reason that you held your ground. And if you're older like me, I don't know how many of you got in the room, I thank God. Thank you for holding your ground. Thank you for holding and saying, no, this is for, it's for me and my house. We're going to serve God. I'll love you. I'll feed you. I'll give you, you know, a roof over your head. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to feed into that frenzy. You're going down. That's pretty much, I mean, I knew I always had a place to eat. I think that was satisfying. I knew mom's going to feed me. Amen. Won't give me no food, no, no money to go out to eat, but I can eat at home. And I'd rather eat at home with her cooking anyway. Amen. All right. So, and because the dad in this story didn't intervene, his son was able to move to the next phase. You ready for the next phase? Amen. The reevaluation phase. The reevaluation phase. What do we do as parents during this stage? Everybody say it. Pray. Amen. Express your love. Let them face the consequences. And wait. Letting them face the consequences is tough for a parent. But sometimes, I'm going to tell you, waiting can even be more difficult. Look at verse 14 in the story. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to this, a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, no one gave him anything. Now, in this story, Jesus is telling, time is passing. And the father, he's at home knowing that his son is in need. He knows he's in need. How long do you let your kids feed and live with the pigs? 
How long? And, and I'll just tell you, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. They're going to be okay, y'all. As long as it takes for them to come around. I mean, isn't it amazing? You, you've been trying to tell your kid all along. And they have rebelled and done their own thing. And then finally there's a conversation. And, and have you ever been on the phone like me and Debbie got them on speaker and we're listening? And they start saying all the right stuff and we're looking at each other going, don't let them know it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just repeating everything we tried to teach them six months ago. <laughs> hey, man. But this dad, he knows and he's probably dying on the inside because if you're any kind of parent worth your salt, you love your kids. And it hurts. Hurts to wait. But Jesus is telling this story, and the actors are probably Jewish because here they didn't even eat pork products. Think about that. I mean, they're over there doing stuff that never, you never thought they, it was never in your household. And it totally goes against everything you ever raised them with. Can y'all relate? So he's over there, and, and being around pigs was against the rules. So every report that comes back is cutting this dead like a, like a knife in his heart. I mean, you can imagine. And as parents go through this with their kids, if we're not careful, what can happen to you is you can start condemning yourself now. Where did I go wrong? Have you ever done that? God, what did I... I mean, God, I feel guilty today. I, I, I must have not have said the right thing. I must have not have done the right thing. I must not have. I, I, and before long, you start condemning yourself because their actions are wrong, right? So the fact is we're all going to make mistakes as parents. I've made them, but you're not the only influence in that child's life. Remember that. There are other influences in their life. I mean, this man had two sons, remember? One did the right thing, the other one didn't. So what I'm trying to tell you is your children have free will. And don't start playing, this is not my notes, don't start playing favorites because one always does the right thing. You want to make it worse? Start playing favorites. You'll send them further down a darker road than you wanted to go. You love them the same no matter what. Amen, somebody? You need to hear that because it's still your child. You're still responsible. And your responsibility is to pray for them and love them, even though you're hurting. But don't accuse yourself for every move they make. They still make their own decisions. And I think it's a, it's a, what happens is, it's just a temptation to intervene when they're in trouble. Like, I, you know, wire, I need, just wire them some money. They're broke. I'm not saying you don't ever help your kids, okay? I do. I do help my kids. I'm saying when they're going down the wrong road. Yes. Amen. Don't bail them out every single time. Uh, and I think the hardest thing for us as a parent is, is being patient and waiting for God to do the work. I'm going to tell off on myself. I've told this before. I'm not proud of it. But just in case you thought I was just perfect pastor's kid growing up. At 20 years old, I had the privilege of visiting 701 San Jacinto Street. If you don't know what that is. That's a luxurious Houston jailhouse. Back then it was 10 stories. I don't remember what it is now, but it was 10 stories. I had a heavy foot growing up. Loved racing and had a couple vehicles I used to mess around with and had a good time, and I, I, man, I'm going to age myself. Anybody remember Rankin Road? Like, that was where we used to go race. Anybody? Rankin Road? I know, Jimmy, I know you remember Rankin Road, Beltway 8, when they were building it, we used to go over there. I know there's a lot worse things than drag racing. 
Drugs or drag racing? I'd rather you be drag racing than drugs. Thank God. Thank God. But anyways, your pastor ended up in jail. I'm not proud of that moment. But I'll tell you this. I called my mom. Mama's always a sucker. <laughs> she was never one of those, by the way. But I called my mom. Mom, I'm in jail. I need help. I don't belong in here. <laughs> oh, I have to laugh at myself, y'all. And she... I could tell she was wanting, she would have come down there and got me right then. But here's what she said. She said, I think my dad had been out of town and she called him and she said, well, here's what your dad said. <laughs> you got yourself in, you get yourself out. Did I hate my dad for that? No, I love my dad for that. Because if he would have come and rescued me, I wouldn't have learned a valuable lesson. Because there was a reevaluation phase that went on those three days. After getting jumped, beat up. No sleep for three days, afraid somebody's going to strangle me to death. I sat there and reevaluated myself. And here's what I said to myself. This is not the way I was raised. This is not who I am. This is not the value system. And there was a, I'm going to tell you, after three days, thank God my brother finally came and got me. That was the best day of my life. Driving off from the jail. Like, oh, thank you, God. But the Bible says when the young man came to his senses, and some of you are praying that right now over your children. Anybody? Amen. You keep praying. Amen. When's my kid going to wake up, God? Lord, let them come to their senses. You may not like everything that happens to them, but do not jump in and rescue them from this life-changing event that may set them on another path to the right direction. But it goes to the story. It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants... Have food. He started thinking about how good it was at home. Man, if I could just be like the guys working for my parents, it'd be better than this. <laughs> Ever felt that way? And here I am. I'm starving to death. I will set out. I'm going back to my father, and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And notice these next two words. He says, Make me. Underline that. Make me like one of your hired servants. Remember in verse 12 we said, give me? <laughs> now he's back to make me. When he hits rock bottom, he's broken. He said, you know what? I made a mess of my life. Just make me a servant. He, he was having a change of heart. That's what was going on. And what do you do during this stage while you're waiting for your child to, in this reevaluation stage? Let me tell you something. You need to pray even harder. Pray that the whole, he'll be open to, or she'll be open to the Holy Spirit that during this reevaluation stage. It's, it's like the scripture in Lamentations 2.19. It says, Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands towards him for the life of your young children. I'm going to tell you, I thank God that I had a praying mom and dad. And I've told you this before. I know now that I had a Bible between my mattresses growing up. And it wasn't so much just the physical Bible being there, but it was just a symbol of the of my mom would go up there when I was not there, when I was out doing my own thing, get on her knees next to my bed and pray that that word of God would literally come to life in me. 
Little did she know I would be standing on a platform preaching the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing. I have such a passion for this Bible right now. I have a passion. I, mean, I didn't even know why. As a young age, I began to desire to get understanding of the word. I can tell you why. Because I had a parent that called out during that stage I was going through and said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. This young man's life shall be built on the word of God. Praying over my destiny. It's not all about me. I mean, this is a privilege. I always said I'll never be a preacher. I'll never preach. I'm not going to do that. That's for dad. Dad does that. I, I, I got my kids say that right now. That's for dad. That's for dad. I'm praying. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. But I see the destiny. I see the anointing that's on your life, son. And so you need to start praying over your children about their destiny. You need to pray and say, God, you've got a purpose for their life. You brought them into this world. You have a plan. You have a design. And if you're not praying over your kids, you need to start praying and speaking to their future, speaking for the future that God has over their life. And said, so, you know what? I don't care what the, the enemy's going to throw all kinds of things at them and at you try to keep you from fulfilling your destiny as a parent. Pray for them. Amen. All right, here we are, the last phase. You ready? I'm catching up with Liz. It's 11.02. It's 11.02. It's 11.02. <laughs> this is the return phase. What do we do as parents on the return? You ready? Pray, express your love. Letting them face the consequences is tough. Waiting on them to learn the lesson, that's tough. But not saying I told you so every 15 minutes is tougher. I told you so. If you would listen to me in the first place. No, all they need to hear from you is, I forgive you. I love you, son. You need to let it go. They may have hurt you, parents. They may have stolen from you. You ever have a child that's a, a drug addict or gets hooked to drugs? I'm telling you, they'll steal. They'll steal from you. I hate, to be, I hate to say it, but they will. Do you put boundaries up? Absolutely. But you still love them and you still forgive them. That's tough. But you have to remember who's forgiven you. <laughs> Verse 20, so he got up. He goes, went to his father, and he's, but while he was still a long way off, his father said, or saw him. So here his father sees him. He sees the change, but he's not even there yet, but he sees the change. There ever been times where they're not completely where they need to be, but you can see change. And it says he was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now remember, this son had been in a pig pen. He probably didn't smell too good. And remember, your kids may go places that you don't agree with. Their life may not smell good. There, there may be some things in their life they still, it's got a hold of them, but you got to give them time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's an aroma about their lives, and they still may make a few mistakes, but you still love on them. The father runs out, and guess what he does? He bear hugs his son, and he kisses him on the cheek. And I just want to say this because this is where a lot of men struggle with affection. It's not manly to hug my kid, especially my son. I'm trying to teach him to be a man. Well, I don't know where you got that. Or where you, what good do you think that's doing? But let me tell you something. Affection is powerful. When you hug your kids, hug your I, My sons are grown. 
Let me tell you something. When I, when I see them or before they leave my house, they don't just get a, good to see you, buddy. No, it's bear hug. I mean, it's full in, come here. And then I kiss them on the cheek. Because I want them to know that there's something powerful. See, you, if your son or daughter walks in the door and you're sitting on the couch and you hadn't seen them in a while, you know, and they're, they're coming back, they're getting their act together, and you just sit on the couch and say, welcome home, good to see you. Or you can get up, go to them, and hug them. I had my parents do it. I can remember walking through the back door. I mean, I can see it in my mind's eye how many thousands of times I walked through that back door, walked by the washer and dryer, right into the kitchen table, right there. In my, and sometimes I didn't want to walk through that door when I was in trouble because Dad's back to me. He's sitting at the kitchen table. I'm like, oh, God. You know, but the other times, it was an embrace. I'm home. God's trying to do a lesson, see? The son says to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I think that's a pretty clear apology. You may not get that clear of an apology. But if there are signs of repentance, take what you can get, parents. Look what the father does. He says... Quick, bring the robe, the best robe. Get a ring, put it on his finger, put some new shoes. This boy's been in a pig pen. He's wore those shoes out. Get him some new shoes. Bring the fattened calf. Let's barbecue. For my son, he was dead. Dead in his spirit, dead in his ways, dead in his decisions, but now he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. And for those of you who have kids on a prodigal journey, I encourage you, don't give up on your kids. The current chapter of their life right now is not the final chapter. Keep praying. Keep believing. Before I close here today, there's something else I want to deal with because the truth is, is some of you may be that prodigal child. You may be a teenager here. You may be a young adult. You may be 45 years old. You gave your parents fits. You took advantage of them. You broke their hearts. And maybe you never look back. I just want to encourage you because some of you are still mad at them maybe. I want to encourage you to give them an apology. Give them a thank you. Maybe you've been holding on to some stuff. It's time to let it go. But there might be some others here today that you're even on a more dangerous journey because the whole story that Jesus tells here is not really about the son. The whole story is really about the father. <laughs> because we have this mental image this, of God and who he is. Because I promise you the devil's going to wake you up every morning and give you a distorted image of God. Because when you don't live right or you, are, or you do live, mess up or whatever, the enemy's going to over you every day, hammer you're not good enough. But this story is totally different. Does he let us learn the lessons? Yeah. But the story is really about a loving father, our heavenly father. I thank God for this story. He represents God. The prodigal represents all of us. The truth is some of you have been driving your life down the wrong street. I'm here to tell you, you have a God. He's always been there all along. He knows exactly where you've been. But he's just waiting for you to come to your senses because you have to choose him. 
I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. Every head bowed. If you're here today, and you know what? You've been running. You've been running, trying to do it your own way. God was kind of a, maybe a side fixture, but do you think it's an accident that you're here today? Do you think it's an accident that you're hearing this message? It's not. Because the truth is, you have a Heavenly Father who loves you so much. He wants to celebrate you. But He's not going to take your free will away from you. You have the ability to choose. So I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you're here today, and I want to pray with you. If you're that prodigal, maybe, you, maybe you've been going down a different direction. I'm not here to embarrass you, but today is, is the day to get it right. Today is to take the step towards the Father. And if that's you here today, and you want me to pray with you, would you just show me by hand? Come on, show me by hand. That's it. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. I see it. Keep it up. Nothing to, nothing to be embarrassed about. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else in the house? Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for you right now. Everybody else, just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for going to the cross for me, for loving me so much that you took my place for my sin. I repent today. Come into my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you what repent means. Here's what repent. A lot of people are confused about what repentance means. Repentance is not coming up and just crying your eyes out. I'll repent, I'll repent. No, repent means to do an about face. If you've ever been in the military and they tell you do an about face, you know, it's like go this direction. That's what repentance is. Repentance is saying, God, I repent of my direction. My, 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 mine. And I'm repenting, and now I'm going to go your way. I'm going to make you first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Will I be perfect? No, you won't. But I'm going to face him. And even when I get in trouble, even when I stumble, I keep looking up to him. That's the whole thing. See, people fall down and the enemy wants to whop them over the head. But no, I'm going to keep facing him. And the Father's forgiveness keeps flowing. You realize that, right? Some of you have been saved 150 times. No, you got saved the very first time. The thing is, is you keep facing him and receiving his love and his forgiveness. Does he want you to rid, get your life rid of, rid of sin? Absolutely. It's not... Me go do my way and have, come on, God, you go with me. I'm going to do my way. No. It's striving for his way. Continuing being open and not rebellious towards God. Y'all get it? It's not rebelling like, yes, I failed. I said the wrong thing. I, I, should, I made a wrong decision, God. I, I allowed that to come out of my mouth. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Quit begging God forgiveness and thank him for the forgiveness that's already there. That's called grace. You say, well, that's too good to be true. Yes, it is. That's what's awesome about Jesus because he took your place. So, yeah. See, it's like being in a courtroom. You have the accuser over here. Always accusing. But then you have... Jesus over here, every time they accuse you, Jesus just steps in front of you. Because all you can see is his perfection. So the accuser, the one that has dominion over the earth, the enemy right now, he's always going to be accusing you and trying to rob you of your life. But that's the good news, folks. That's why people need to hear it, but Jesus stepped into your place. You know why? Because he knew you could never be perfect. You could never be perfect. 
And you know what that does? It doesn't drive me away from God and, and like I have to follow all the rules. No, it makes me want to follow him. He's my daddy. He's my father. This guy knows what he's doing and he loves me and I'm going to strive to please him now because of everything he's done for me. That's a whole new perspective of living for God. It's not like, oh, I got the angel devil, little demon over this side, and I got the angel on this side. That's how a lot of people picture it. Well, the demon told me to do it. Look, Jesus is in your heart. And all you got to do is look to him every time the enemy accuses you and say, not today, Satan. And begin to remind yourself, I'm more than a conqueror. I know I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's right. You In the spirit realm, that's what happened. You may not feel it yet, but you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you can live victorious. That's why we named our church Champion Life Church. You can live a champion life, not because of you, but because of him. I just gave you all the gospel message. Is that okay? Right here, you need to receive it. It's the good news for you. Amen. And then parents... I want to encourage you one last time. I want to pray with you. If you've got a prodigal child, don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. But I want to pray for you today. Can I do that? Come on, we'll pray one last prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the promise of your word. Train our children. Plant seeds. That means they may not come to fruition until later. But, Lord, we're going to stand on the promise today that every seed that we planted in them, every seed of the Word of God, everything good that we planted on the inside of them, we pray, God, that they would open their heart. And, Holy Spirit, wherever they are right now, running from you, I pray that they come to their senses. I pray that they wake up. Wake up and have a revelation that, you know what, their way is not working. I come against every demon, every blindness that comes against them that's trying to attack their life, their mind, whatever. If they got an addiction, I pray, Lord, against that power of addiction that your power that raised Jesus from the grave shall deliver them and set them free, God. There may be children in jail right now. I pray for encouragement for our children that are sitting in jail right now, going through a difficult time. I pray, God, that they come to their senses, have a wake-up call in their life. Save their soul, oh God. We ask you for encouragement for the parents. Give us a sane mind, wisdom to know what to do, wisdom to know what to say, wisdom to know when to wait. We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody, give the Lord praise right now. We thank you, God, for answer to prayer. We thank you, God, for victory in our lives. We thank you, God, for our children today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, if you have assigned your children up for VBS, you need to do that today. Do that before you leave this place. I love you. If you're a guest, meet me in the VIP. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.